Hello, friend. You are listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod, an all things Wizard of Oz podcast that will take you over the rainbow and down a yellow brick rabbit hole as we pull back the curtain on American culture's most visited fairyland. We are your hosts, Tara and MK, the royal revisionists of Oz and roommates in Queens, New York here to preserve the rustic emeralds of yesteryear and reimagine an Oz for today and future generations. This season, we will be deep diving with the melodies of the many musical adaptations of L. Frank Baum's original Oz book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, taking up residency in the 1939 classic MGM film, as well as the 70s super soul hit, The Wiz. Visit our Insta at Down the Yellow Brick Pod for an accompanying scrapbook and fave space to connect, as well as our Patreon community where we continue the escapism and entertainment with Tiny Oz concerts, acoustic coffee shop covers and mashups, not sponsored by NPR, and other good witchy perks for each Patreon tier. Our Patreons are truly our MVPs. Consider joining our Oz fam today, it would truly make our day. May the world of Oz continue to be a bewitching escape in bewildering years, nostalgic and nuanced, and a magical refuge where two gals and queens can cross yellow brick roads with wonders like you. Lene Hickman is a recent graduate of DePaul University with a double major in theater arts and American studies. She's passionate about all forms of theater and entertainment, but specifically those that elevate Black, queer, and Indigenous voices outside of the white gaze. She's honed her skills in prop design and creation, puppetry, and immersive forms of theater for the past five years working with theaters. She also has a YouTube channel called Lene Hickman, dedicated to art and theater. You can visit her and find out more online at her website, which is larryboy.wixsite.com slash portfolio and is also linked in our show notes. Hello, MK. Hey, Tara. Hello, Lene. Thank you, Lene, for being here. Hello. <laughs> We're so happy to have you, Lene. So to start us off, this was a question inspired by... Uh, Richard Pryor as the Wiz in his failed campaigns that he clearly was running for lots of different um, public positions, elected offices that never seemed to go his way. So I wanted to ask y'all if you've ever been involved in a campaign, and I'm talking like it could be school. It could be school level. Have you ever won a race of any kind? Again, could be school level. Um, Or if that is like, oh, I've never done that. Is there a public office position you maybe dream about inhabiting someday Mm. what would that look like for you and I will say this this was inspired by I laughed over the whole dog catcher thing which we'll get into I'm sure in the episode as the episode (laughs) continues how he was running for like elected dog catcher I'm pretty sure though when I did girls state which is I don't know if this happens in every single state in America it's a conference for high school young women to learn how the government works. And I don't know why I was there. I don't know how I got selected for (laughs) this. this I'm like, how, like I had no interest, like, but I was there and it was actually great because I did learn a lot, which is great. But when we had to, we had to pick something to either campaign with 
or we had to pick something that we would run for. And I was the only one willing to help with the spider issue we were having in our dorm rooms. So I became the insect repellent. Like I became the elected insect repellent person. So I felt for Richard Pryor in this scene, like having to run for dog catcher. It's not on my resume. It should be. It should be. That's important. Girl stay. Bring it back. Right. I think they called me like the spider, like spider lady. napper or something. <laughs> spider lady. I even got more humane as it went along, as the week went along. Like That's I tried good. not to kill the yeah. spiders. Aww. I got better at my like, you know. You're trying to be moral and ethical. And yes, I, my ethical practices increased. I will say I'll give myself uh. a little pat, but I definitely did kill a few. Exactly. You win some, you lose some. You yeah, kill this some. Is true. This is, that is true. In public office, you lose some. Yep, that's so true. Whoops. Okay, what comes up for y'all to this question? Oh, um, interestingly enough, I, I mean, I always was pretty interested in like a f- office official running for things, but I didn't do anything until high school. Um, and in high school is when I got involved in theater. And that's like the been my staple, like the one thing that I like have stuck to. And we had something that was like team council. So basically the same thing as like your, the, what was it called? Girls run that you did. Girls state. Girls state. It was basically that, but for theater. Um, And so I think from my sophomore year until my senior year, I was on the council. So I ran for secretary and I did that for a few years and I won. Um, my speech was not very good. It was like, I, I know how to write and I like taking notes. Choose me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. And then, um, later on I ran for vice president and then I was president. So yeah. And I've been doing that kind of stuff since the end of college In college, I was also vice president and then secretary. Oh so, God. well, it's not. <laughs> You know what? Interestingly enough, after college, I never wanted to do anything like that again. Like I was like, how did I do that? Why did I do that? Why was I there? Similar. It was like, I learned a lot, but I, you kind of just get thrust into those positions. So I feel for, for the whiz because, or the wizard, because like, you don't always get them when you want them. <laughs> You know, Ooh. it's kind of just something you're put into. Are people born wicked or is wickedness for us to find <laughs> Exactly. There you go. When are you ever really prepared is a question, right. I guess, to right. take on any yeah. job that requires you to stand up for so many kinds of human beings mm. or like mine, spiders or you spiders. Know? Or spiders. Exactly. <laughs> the small, the unspeakable. Yeah. And sometimes you don't know how it's like, you think it'll be great and it is great, but it's a lot of responsibility, you know, and who's the, who's the person behind the curtain really right. stuff like that. When you run for elected office positions, I learned that my eight years in office. It's like, you're eight, during my get out of here. Yeah. Eight my eight terms. Oh my gosh. And you're never going to please it. Yeah. yeah. You know, even no matter what grade it is, I, my best friend, I think it was fourth grade and my memory is so terrible. Like I could be lying about all of this. This one I know oh, is good. true. So spoken like a true spoken like politician. A true, yeah. <laughs> I'm just creating my own narrative. Um, my best friend and I decided to run for secretary. It was like a, or maybe I was secretary and she was 
like vice president. I don't know what it was. I like the sound of secretary when I was younger, though. Yeah, like, I really like that. The, sounded fun. It sounded it like less responsibility, but, but I'm like, still, still there. there. I'm still mm-hmm. there. But you get to kind of chill and yeah, <laughs> type and observe. I guess you get to type all the more better. Right. So I remember one night <laughs> came over, and this was back when you had your um. They're not even digital. The like you take a, a picture and then you have to wait to get it developed. Oh, that, ar- that arcade. Back yeah. So a camera, um, a camera, a camera, right. a camera, not a Polaroid camera. Not that far back. But she came over and we dressed up in the craziest outfits, craziest outfits. Like I think we had pom poms, like for our hair, and just like my mom's dresses. We just went crazy and sunglasses my mom took photos of us we printed them out and then our posters that you hang up in the hallways had those photos of us on them and it was like vote for franny and emily for secretary and meanwhile we're looking like the least professional students did you win i don't think we won but i she also, doesn't even know i don't you know don't remember. <laughs> this is my story is it was more about taking the photos and like getting attention and just being a part of something fun as opposed now I, I don't even remember if we won. I just remember us taking photos and that was a blast. <laughs> I don't think your intentions are that different than some <laughs> I know. politicians. I was going to say that. So that yeah. makes sense. It feels right. Yeah. You and Franny. Me and Franny. I'll have to like ask her. I don't know. Oh my I gosh. Know. I love but, that though. That's fun. I mean, I would vote for you if I saw pom poms on your hair. Yeah. That's fun. I can relate. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, y'all! Thank you for sharing your times in office. Slash, maybe you weren't really ever in office. Yeah. I can't remember because it was fourth grade, and that's a long time ago. That's fine too. Back when cameras were still around. That's that's a thing. All right, let us go discover the phony of. The Wiz. Let's do it. Welcome back, listeners. We're so excited to have you here. We're stoked to get into this intense scene. There's a lot that happens. So we just stakes left off. Are high. The stakes are the highest. Yes. They can possibly be. We just heard the incredible brand new day. We got some fierce dancing in the rafters. <laughs> Evelyn has been distinguished, not distinguished, extinguished. <laughs> And our friends are now approaching the throne room where they are about to find out the truth behind the curtain. Who would like to start us off with their bullet points? Lene, I will give it up to you. I'll go. I'll go. So the first thing that happens is they get to the door and they're super excited. She knocks. No one's there. And the one thing that I thought was interesting is that she's made friends with one of the flying monkeys. So she says goodbye to him and they leave and then they walk in and look around. It's empty and it's the same um, figure that they saw, like this giant head with an afro. They realize something's going on. They pull the cover back. It's Richard Pryor or <laughs> I don't know, the wizard. 
Um, and he talks about kind of how he's just a nobody, a phony. Um, he's been an elected, well, never elected politician, but he's been trying to run and he has all these posters. And then um, let's see what else happens. They're obviously visibly upset and he tries to explain. I think he goes to his hot air balloon, which he says he tried to get on and throw elected posters across so that people could see. But apparently that didn't go the way that he wanted and he somehow ended up in Oz. And then they're kind of getting to the point where they're going to do something to him, who knows? And then they realize actually having a brain, a heart and courage they've had the whole time. And then Dorothy goes into kind of a song, but she's like the, the leader telling them to believe in themselves. Did I do a good job with those bullet points? Is that? <laughs> yeah. It. And you reminded me of things that I forgot about. The fact that there were posters. Mm-hmm. He had all, which is yeah. interesting. He, he hung on to all of his like failed yeah. campaigns. Yeah. They're all with him. It's good for us to see like as context into the character, but that's so hard to see a human still holding on to his yeah. baggage and in a way. Right. Something else that I realized too, while you said that, I forgot to mention that I really liked like a bullet point that stuck out to me. And I don't even remember it when I watched it many times is that she actually scolds him over him tasking her to kill Eveline. She's like, that's just because she's evil, which she never even says. She's just like, that's no excuse. Why would you make me do that? Which is a really interesting point and made me think of Wicked, which wasn't even made by that point. But like, she's already redeeming the Wicked Witch, which is so interesting to me. Yeah, because yeah, because you wanted her done, you made us take care of it. You even thought yeah, like we might not yeah. come back. Yeah. So yeah, you you're the, us to our death. You're almost. the big bad more than she's the big bad. She's minding yeah. her own business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Ooh, love that. Go okay, to um, oh. What do you feel? All right, you go I, in. I will. I will take this. My okay. secretary <laughs> self is here. Like, My secretary it. self is not there. <laughs> <laughs> but you, that that's, you crushed it. I mean that's like a president has to go on the cuff you know off the cuff yeah so we yeah. have a good partnership I like it <laughs> bullet point number one delivered to the threshold of the golden door by the flying monkeys Dorothy and friends realize it's open score and enter a seemingly abandoned cavernous gray room with spare with sparse items throughout mm-hmm. including a hot air balloon basket table with a coffee pot i need to know more about the coffee situation in oz and a very thin bed with a lump covered by a blanket which dorothy pulls back to reveal the whiz in pajamas and a robe leading her to completely break down yelling lies no more lies (laughs) and the whiz saying i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry he's just herman smith from atlantic city bullet point number two new jersey dorothy asks Stopped in her tracks, the whiz explains his past life, attempting to run for public office and failing at every turn. The scarecrow interjecting a snarky line about public office being the final frontier for the truly incompetent. The whiz explaining that he tried everything, finally deciding to rent a hot air balloon to release flyers with his face on them over the boardwalk for those below to find and vote for him. 
when a gust of wind carried him through the clouds, where he landed in Oz, to the amazement of its citizens who had never seen a balloon like his before. And he needed a job, so he took it. Fair. <laughs> Bullet point number three. Dorothy, distraught that the Wiz would send them to kill Eveline, knowing full well they might not ever return, looks dead inside as the Wiz meekly <laughs> pleads with the group to stay and talk with him as he lives in terror that someone will discover he's a fraud, leading Tin Man, Scarecrow, and the Lion to realize they won't get their courage, hearts, or brains after all. But Dorothy has a defiant moment where she circles up her friends. You don't need them now. You've had them all along. As she points out each friend's acts of brains, hearts, and courage, and calls upon them to believe in yourself as she sings an emotional power ballad, ending with the Wiz hanging his head in shame and a close-up of Dorothy and Scarecrow hugging cheek to cheek. Beautiful M. I love that ending there. I know. Also, yeah. my mom and Diana it just is. love each other I so know, much. It's a really sweet. <laughs> I'm like Lion and Tin Man. I'm going to be upfront. I am shady towards Diana in these bullet points. Okay, Okay, everyone. There's some shade that will be revealed. Watch out. Up on the roof. Diana, Dorothy, and friends are dropped at the supposed back door, Cheetah says, of the Emerald City Towers, bidding goodbye to their now flying monkey friends and ready to cash in on their promise with the Wiz, but soon find themselves ducking into a dark and dismal warehouse lit by a few bare light bulbs and lacking of any grandeur. The once terrorizing silver head of the Wiz now tipped over on the ground, completely shut off. The bass of a hot air balloon revealed with a man's headshot on the front, which the lion thoroughly investigates, with other oddities like a rainbow wheel fan and then a cot where a blanket is clearly hiding someone that we think Toto is running towards to pull off. Mm-hmm. But no, yet again, Diana Dorothy says, I would like to take that part and rips the blanket off herself. Listen, first example of that's the first example of her taking a, a role. This is my moment. That is usually assigned to someone else. First example. Okay. Bullet point number two. Phony! Diana Dorothy yells at the pretending to be asleep man, Richard Pryor, welcome! And then in the whiz camp of all whiz camp, as the now awake man says desperately, the whiz is not here, Diana Dorothy yells, lies! And then the rest of our friends take digs as the man yells, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and admits he is the whiz and he's a phony who's got no powers and reveals that he's not Oscar Diggs, but plain old Herman (laughs) Smith from Atlantic City, a second-rate politician from District 7 nonetheless, who would run for everything but not even get on the ticket. And then finally, in desperation, running for city dog catcher. Really, that's a thing? Like a regular Miss Gulch. Noting that. Launching himself into a hot air balloon campaign trail, which goes to your theory, Lene, about maybe he's the Wicked Witch, really, in this scenario. (laughs) Launching himself into a hot air balloon campaign trail on the 4th of July, specifically, to throw leaflets to astonished crowds below. But before he could become the talk of the boardwalk, a storm swept in, taking a humbug Herman to Oz, to a land that never saw a hot air balloon before, and for that, proclaimed him the wizard a job he clearly needed bullet point number three diana dorothy is in shock and cannot believe that herman would send them to kill eveline knowing they might get killed themselves walking away from the sham of a whiz who begs them all to say to stay revealing his loneliness and lack of companionship 
But Diane and Dorothy notices her friends' heads are low as they all have now realized they will never get the brain or heart or courage they want, which leads Diana Dorothy to get another bit in her contract that's not usually hers, stealing the wizard's monologue and telling her friends that they've had all these traits all along to musical tinkles and shimmers. And then Diana Dorothy says, I would also like to sing the Wiz's song too, please. Back in their Be a Lion circle formation, she beckons our friends to believe in themselves right from the start, ending in a sweet hug without the Wiz who hangs his head low to the side. See, that image really stays with it me. Hangs the head. He's mm-hmm. not a part of this. He's, we don't even see his eyes. He's not redeemed. He's not, not yet, yeah. at least. I yeah. forget. I actually forget the final scene. So it's going to be a nice moment to get to that. He doesn't get redeemed, right? There's no. no. I don't yeah, think he does. He's Interesting. A very weak presence in this scene. Completely. Dare I say? Completely apologetic. Like he's not even doesn't even have lines towards the end. Like he's just there. Yeah. No. Yeah, I don't ever remember him being redeemed. He just is kind of yeah there. I have so many thoughts yeah. on this that I'll save for when we come back to the film. But let us travel over to the musical just to compare and contrast for a moment. The musical. Which this scene is so much longer in the musical, which it's is long. kind of a theme that we're noticing. The scenes are much longer in the musical, which is funny because the movie musical is not short. But mm-hmm. the musical really extends things out. So just hitting yeah. our script. And Lene, feel free to interject whenever you would like. If yes, you have any please. thoughts. Yes. So in the musical, our friends have returned to the throne room and we have the royal gatekeeper. Which is a great role. The royal gatekeeper. In the musical, it's yeah, a great it role. There's, you have to have comedic timing to play this role. Yeah, he gets a big, big scene. He is shocked that they've returned alive. Uh, our friends knock on the door. They say they want to see the wizard. The gatekeeper says, oh, he moved. They're not buying that for a second. Quick idea. Throw him, <laughs> throwing things out there. Yeah. The scarecrow hatches his plan. He says, oh, well, we have a sack of money that we're just going to leave here. And the lion is really confused. The lion's like, what? The scarecrow is trying to get him on board. This reminds me of Harry and Marv in the Home Alone <laughs> franchise yes, being yes. like, they're with the with the paint cans, they're like, oh, it hurts when they're like acting up the paint cans, hitting them in the face. So campy, so dramatic. But it's not because they're like, let's just fool him yeah. that we've been hit already. It yeah. totally reminds and me of that it moment. Bites them in the butt. Oh, yes. Best movie ever. Uh, the lion finally picks up on it. The lion says, oh, we have so much gold. We have so much silver. So they say they're going to leave the sack of money and they stomp really loudly so that it feels like they've left. And the gatekeeper gets curious. He comes out to maybe investigate the situation. They immediately pounce on them and they say, we're going to go in and see the whiz. And he's like, okay, oh. well, I don't want to be around when you wake him up. And I'm going to note, that's Dorothy's first line of this whole entire scene is Ooh. we're going in to see the whiz. She's Ooh. the one who takes control and becomes their leader in this other, all the lines before this, it's all the lion, the scarecrow and the tin man trying yeah. to figure out how to... Uh, trick or manipulate the gatekeeper mm. yeah she's that's the first time she speaks which i was like oh good stephanie mills gets some vocal rest during this <laughs> yeah i'm chilling for yeah just, she, just, you know she's just, been singing her face off so this is a nice moment for her to have a little vocal rest <laughs> proud proud what of is her. this line the gatekeeper says oh damn i fall for this every night so who does this he's gullible Who's- that just gives me yeah that gives me the idea that he's gullible to anyone who's trying to get into the Emerald City, especially if they offer him some coin. Right. I guess other people are doing the same thing. 
Yeah. Well, I was thinking breaking the fourth wall. I fall for this every night. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking. But I mean, that's funny. also a great interpretation. But I was like, oh, I love yours. Fourth oh, wall that, break. That's even better. Like looking at the audience, I like fall for this every eight shows. Night. Yeah, eight shows and a week, y'all. Like, oh, oh, oh. Exactly. Amazing. I love that I interpretation. Love, I love when that happens in shows. It's so fun. SpongeBob had some moments with that. If anyone has seen SpongeBob on Broadway, yes. they had like they had a security guard who would break uh, cool. break the wall. I'm into that. That's genius. I didn't think of that, Lene. Next scene, they're in the throne room, and there's this large mask on stage. They're calling out to the Wiz. They only hear his disembodied voice. They tell him the news that they have killed Eveline, and this voice says that he's busy. Go away which they say, that's a cop-out. You're not busy. The lion ends up stumbling into an engine room and he finds a crank, which they find out if you turn the crank, the mask moves and shakes. On the scarecrow. Say that again. On the scarecrow, he discovers that. The scarecrow discovers this. So they say, lion, turn the crank so that the mask will move. It comes forward, it falls, it reveals the wiz's bedroom, which I love. Very vulnerable space to be revealed in. Yes. The space we've been all zooming from <laughs> for a year and a lot of months. We've all been in each yeah. other's bedrooms recently. It's like truly like it's a Zoom screen and now to his bedroom. It's so true. So we find the Wiz standing there. He's wearing pink pajamas. He has curlers in his hair. Uh, and he says, the Wiz isn't here right now. And everyone sort of starts descending upon him, calling him a fraud, a fake, and a phony. And this is where I we- wish I never laid eyes on you. <laughs> name that movie. Can you name that movie? Is it? No, is it? A... No, okay, it's I'll like... give it to you again. Wait, wait. Yeah, can you give us a line? Yeah. yeah, fake, a fraud, a phony. And I wish I never laid eyes on you. Ooh, oh, this is bothering. It's like I'm gonna be mad. Is, that... is it said in the, like a that transatlantic accent? Is it like a classic Hollywood musical? It's a musical? classic Hollywood musical, but not as classic as you want to go. Right around the time of The Wiz, actually. I know what you're talking about. It's, it's there. Oh, this is- it's on the tip of my tongue, I but I have no... Uh-huh. Um, I'll give you another classic line from this musical that I love. It's a you ready? Movie. Musical it's movie. It's a movie musical. Sorry, French. Greece. How, how dare I not know this? It's Andy, you're a fraud and a fake and a phony. I never laid eyes on you. And like, it was right there. We right. were so we were we were we were on. You're, it. You were at the pep rally. Yeah, I went yeah. to the pep rally <laughs> in the film. That was like a. Weird... And she throws her pom poms. Yeah, she throws you and Franny's pom poms. Back to the pom poms. <laughs> they are a big part of this episode. That was weird. I was like, I know this. That was good. It was. That's what I thought of immediately when I heard that. So that's what they're yelling at him. And then they end up singing that sentiment in a song that we don't get in the film. Who do you think you are? Not by the Spice Girls. <gasps> oh, if only. <laughs> do you think you are? That's what I thought of immediately when I heard the title. Can you imagine? They should insert that. Now. Yeah. Can I just play a clip of this song by Kentucky Conservatory Theater? Because the vocals, Ooh. the vocals in <laughs> this... I just, I have to share this. This is on the YouTubes, but just so we could get a little bit of a feel for the song that does not exist in our movie. Yes. Here we go. (laughs) 
Okay. 2017. Oh, okay, first off, the people, <laughs> the people of Kentucky are lucky. The people of Kentucky are Who would have thought? Kentucky? Let me see if I could presence who is in this. So all that is oh noted is Kentucky Conservatory Theater in Lexington. They had their own arrangement of Who Do You Think You Are from their Summerfest production of The Wiz. It was directed by Wesley Nelson. Music directed by Jessica Slayton Green. Mm. Dorothy, Chrysalyn Love Girl. That Excellent. Thick Belt. I can't. Scarecrow, Cole Campbell. Tin Man, Justin Norris. Lion, Ron Wilbur. The Wiz, who is just wandering about <laughs> as they're belting at him. Zach Day. Wow. That was incredible. Right? I found that randomly that on YouTube. Audience. I was like, oh my god, amazing. Yeah. Love that that's on the YouTube. Yeah, I didn't even know about this song. So I'm I'm living for this. <laughs> I think it was kept in the live production with uh, Shanice. I think it's in there. I think it is. Yeah. It's definitely I don't remember. It's it's in there, I think, but only for like a few of like a minute. I don't think they sing the whole thing. Or I don't know. But I like that it's there. Yeah. I like that they get a little moment of like anger and letting it live. I agree. Yeah. I, I don't think it's necessary. I get why it's Maybe cut. A sh- I like a shorter version because this yeah. is just already a long scene. <laughs> this is, yeah. But like, if you're going to sing like yeah. that, if you're going to sing Whoa. like that. Yeah. I'll I'm take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm recommended on her YouTube. <laughs> okay. Okay. We get that number. We discover that the Wiz is actually from Omaha, Nebraska. He tells us that all I ever wanted were the simple things in life, power, prestige, and money. He says that he tried everything back home. He sold cars. He was a pitch man in a carnival. He peddled bleaching creams from door to door, but nothing ever worked. And then one day he got the call. This is it. This is it for me. He got the call from the almighty himself where he was supposed to start spreading the good word that all you ever need in life is money, power, and prestige. And they're all like, wait, what? What did you, what's going on? Yeah. (laughs) He says that the next day he read where 5,000 people were going to get together at a county fair. So he decides that he's going to rent a hot air balloon and he's basically going to evangelize these people and spread his message. uh, When all of a sudden a violent wind approaches and a storm comes and blows him to Oz where he lands in the middle of a lady's social. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Which is amazing. Very specific. The ladies in Oz had never seen a balloon before. They called it a miracle. They start to promote him all over town. They're basically going to throw this event where he's going to perform another miracle, which he says he does. And our friends ask, I mean, what kind of a miracle did you perform? Because obviously I don't think this is real. And that's when he brings out the green glasses. Which I love how to how close to the book this scene is in the Wiz. This really doesn't mm-hmm. falter from the original text. Like it keeps the whole Omaha, Nebraska being the next door neighbor to Kansas. So Dorothy immediately feels some sort of kinship though with him. Right. Even if it's like, oh, you're like the distant cousin that we all talk about because you've messed up a lot. There's yeah. still a kinship there. And I also love how we get into this green glasses bit. But the part that I really was like, whoa, that the Wiz goes for that I haven't seen another production go for. And I think this might be my favorite take on this scene is when he becomes a man of God, he becomes unquestioned. Like he could just say whatever he wants because he is a man of God. Like Mm -hmm. he could just ascend on anyone and people believe him and put blind faith in him Mm -hmm. because he is a man of God. And that, but I'm like, wait, but 
who said he's a man of God, him and his so-called dream that is all rooted in power, prestige, and money. Like, but wait, so what God is he representing? Mm -hmm. But mostly it really made me marinate on who we put blind faith in and just call a leader. And this is that, I mean, that very gray world of people who try their hand and luck at so many different things and then kind of find their their niche in self-help movements, right. <laughs> somehow being born. It's all crazy. I mean, this could also be L. Frank Baum's past. This, mm. I sold used cars. Yes. I was a pitchman in a carnival. I mean, L. Frank Baum sold glassware, I believe. Yeah. Like he sold, similar. yeah, he sold different kinds of snake oils himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a peddler just like this. So it also feels very, like I feel the L. Frank Baumness come in through this too, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. I also feel a little bit of historical stuff too, when it comes to like the seventies and yes. evangelists yeah. and Huge. things like that, because that was so big. So it makes sense that they're trying to spoof that in this Broadway mm-hmm. show yeah. and it's specifically like to the black community that happened a lot in the sixties and seventies. So that's super interesting that they made a riff on that and like po- black politicians being corrupt then was also a little bit of a thing. It feels like an SNL moment for the Wiz. Yeah. To have like this little SNL moment. And Richard Pryor, I was watching a documentary on him, which I'll talk more about. But he had characters that were ev- evangelical priests, corrupted mm-hmm. priests, like healing people. He had a whole slew of characters that fell under this description. Right. Because people did, like, we can mock it, but we also fall for it. Which well, is that so is interesting. like weirdly the mega church. When I think of mega churches, not all, but mm. that sort of <laughs> mega church. It, it definitely literally it's in the title this. mega of like this is a lot of the theology that's sort of being taught. It's like uh, gaining power and money, and like if you believe in this certain set of you know in this creed, you're going to get more money, and I, it, it blurs the line between self help and like religion. Yeah, and like yeah. these priests of or preachers, they need more so. Too. They have private jets of these mega churches. <laughs> yeah, Joel Osteen. I'm looking at you, Joel Osteen, like the guy who was in tra- who was like the head pastor of Hillsong, who was like friends with Justin Bieber. Yeah, he yeah. Controversy. A ton of celebrities. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it makes sense too because he says he's like, I always fall for the money each time, and his whole thing is money, power. And what was the other thing? And prestige. So it's right on the nose with that. He's he's human. I mean, he's a human in a capitalist world. Mm -hmm. Like, exactly what this is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. Who doesn't want more money? That's just, unfortunately, the fact of life. So in that way, yeah, he does feel very human. Yeah, Yeah, there's a moment of empathy for him, for sure. I do yeah. think this scene here gives him a little bit more likability than maybe Richard Pryor. I do. But Richard Pryor's acting is so good in the scene. I do feel for him. But also, like, I find him to be very smart, like, with the green glasses. How yeah. he talks about the green glasses. He's like a businessman. Yes. Like, yeah. figuring it out. Yeah, so the green glasses, the lion asks about them because he's curious how there's a miracle connected with a pair of green shades. And that's where we get Believe in Yourself, which in the musical is sung by The Wiz. Diana Dorothy did not take it over. 
And he says, the miracle, my friend, is what you allow your eyes to see through them. And then he sings the exact same lyrics that we get in the film, but it's sort of from a different perspective, obviously, with the Wiz singing it about glasses and what you're perceiving. But he's saying you have all these things in you. He is that message is still very much mm-hmm. there, but it does feel like there's a little coat of slime on it. Yes. It's funny. I mean, I love that. Like yeah. the song and maybe the same sentiment, but through a different through a different lens, pun intended. Yeah. That's kind of fun though, too, because not I feel like that's kind of like the the special thing about Oz in, in all iterations and adaptions is like there are things that both feel like slimy a little bit or just like a little bit uncomfortable, but then it's also beautiful and true at the same time. So him singing Believe in Yourself, even though he's kind of a like capitalist and a little bit of a, you know, scammer, he's still saying, but I had these tools and I use my mind. So it's like a moral thing, but I kind of like that. There's like no right or wrong. It's just kind of an in-between. I agree with you. For sure. Yeah. Versus like the movie is very much, I think, a bit more black and white. Yeah. Like morality. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's clearly left out in the movie, which I can't wait to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so then we have this pretty long scene in which after he sings Believe in Yourself, he approaches the Scarecrow. And this he is says, so book accurate. Yeah, it is. This is, it is 1900 like, book accurate. Uh-huh. He says, you do believe you have a brain, don't you? And he pulls out, quote, all brain, which is really glitter. The stage directions tell us. And he gives he gives them to the scarecrow who's super excited about it. He gives the tin man a large red satin heart. And for the lion, he pulls out a whiskey bottle marked O and Z, which he mixes with seltzer. They're all super stoked about this. And the wizard reveals that he cannot help Dorothy get back to Kansas. He doesn't really have any means to help her. And this is where we get the Scarecrow's brilliance. He asks about the hot air balloon. Isn't that an option? The wizard is upset. He says he in no way wants to leave Oz. He doesn't want to leave his power and his prestige, which Dorothy speaks up and says, you don't really have that. I mean, is this real? This is when her first interjection comes in. She's like, you're alone, bro. Mm -hmm. You're alone. Pointing the holes in his logic. Uh, Big old empty room where nobody comes to see you and you're mm -hmm. afraid to go out. Less people find out you're fooling them. Mm -hmm. She says, why don't you just start over someplace new? You could even have friends. And when I, when I went and saw this, the recording of the nineties version at the Beacon Theater at the library, this part really pulled on my heartstrings when the Wiz, Andre De Shields as the Wiz says, friends, do you really think so? There's a moment of like, Really? Is there something beyond this fraud? And then this is where it's like, oh, yes, there's hope for him. And then it kind of goes to like, (laughs) oh, yes. Yeah. He says friends, huh? And Dorothy is basically saying, when we get back to Kansas, I'll give you my silver slippers. (laughs) She's bribing him. And that's what gets him. And he's like, well. What are we waiting for? <laughs> Let's go do it. I love that he wants the silver slipper so much in the musical because yeah. that also like speaks to what is his identity? Maybe that's like a whole thing too, where he wants to express himself with these silver slippers yeah. and he can't find a world where that's like quite safe yet to do that in. So that like mm-hmm. really intrigues me. 
yeah. with that, but there is a deal here. And it makes me think of all the things that I do when there's a little something in it for me, like there's just like a little something in it for me. And I feel like as an adult, as I've gotten older and older and time is more precious to who you give it out to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I am looking at that, like, well, what is the give and receive here? And sometimes I will say it does feel like a little like transactional, which I never love that feeling, but it's there. It's like, I'm not going to deny it not being there. Yeah, it's definitely it's part of life for sure. There. Just want to know, I thought it was hilarious <laughs> that the ladies put up his hot air balloon in a park and made a national shrine out of it. They make a national shrine. I thought that was hilarious that they're going to have to take down this national shrine to get Dorothy home. Right. Destruction of... Uh, <laughs> special property of the public. <laughs> oh, that was yeah. funny. Just like yeah, another little detail. Funny. Yeah. But that's how the scene ends with the well, what are you yeah. waiting for? Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, jazz music uh, mm -hmm. ad libs underscoring, it says, yes. throughout this whole scene, which is pretty nice. Yeah. But I do love to, uh, this always comes up in every single Oz, um, original Oz story that we have analyzed and put a different kind of light on is what the scarecrow says that kind of leads off the whole ceremonial process of getting, getting the thing that they could see and hold is that he says like, I would feel better. I would feel a whole lot better if I knew I had something upstairs besides a bunch of straw. Cause clearly he's equating like what he is just innately who he is, is not enough. Mm -hmm. He has to dress it up. Mm -hmm. And that just, that stood out to me as like the propeller into all the gifts being handed out. And the whiz kind of gets it. He's like, okay, yeah, I get it. So like, let me at let's least, do it. let's have this process, this like rite of passage process so you could feel. Yeah. Like you have these things though. You don't need this part of it. Here's a tangible little something, something. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get you. Yeah. We all as humans need that. Mm -hmm. It's like, we know we have it, but something, even, even not even the item, I think, like you said, just more the ritual of giving these items, someone giving them to you and seeing them in you. Like, you know, sometimes we can't always see our best parts in ourselves and we need other people to show us that. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense to me. Right. It's also really sweet. It's just, it's a very sweet moment. Uh, and all the adaptations, I love seeing them get items that are given to them that are like, it doesn't mean anything, but to them, it means the world. It's very relatable because I feel like if that was taken out and it was like they all learned a lesson to just believe in themselves, which they do learn that and that they've had it all along. That's not the most relatable because, I mean, what is a college diploma? Like, it's just in your head, you know, like it's your experience of these four years. But we have right. this piece of paper. I mean, that's a whole other thing, but it's relatable to see these characters learn the lesson, but they still sort of need that extra something. It's like you yeah. need both. Well, they you want that ritual. Yeah. yeah. Like I didn't have a college graduation. Mm -hmm. And so that I think for a lot of people, there's still a hole there mm -hmm. of like, I didn't get that ritual. I don't have that thing, that tangible thing. Um, because some people need that. I, I was like, it's fine. But I get that. It's like you want that thing. Because you know you have it. You didn't have a graduation. Mm -mm. Got it. Wow. Nope. Never had a, nobody had a graduation. So that was, yeah, it was, it's weird. It's like, you, I know I've been here for four years. No, I've done this thing. I know I have the knowledge, but I want the thing. Yeah. 
For sure. And I guess that's and the thing we show when we move on, right? Like when we go to our yeah. next thing, we're like, well, this is my Here's past. The photo. So yeah. here is the proof of my past that happens. It feel real. Doesn't yeah. make it feel real. Which is they want that proof. Yeah, which is what so much of this is about. Like a lot of the cut songs that Diana Dorothy has is all like what is real, like this like or the feelings that she's feeling right now, like what does it all mean? Like trying to get underneath it all, but it is mm-hmm. this like trying to recognize what is real is I think that's a daily endeavor. Yeah. Trying to recognize what is real, especially now in the age that we live in where so much information is being, I don't know. What is even a good word? Like it's, thrown it's, yeah. Like splat it on yeah. us. It doesn't even yeah. feel thrown feels even too kind. Just passing, passing by. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like hitting us at rocket <laughs> speed. Like water balloons. Yeah. Well, I do. Yeah. I appreciate the, the book musical scene. I do yeah. feel like, it's a bit of a long one. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a long scene, but I do appreciate it. we get it. more Andre de Shields time. That's the thing. If we have someone like Andre de Shields at yeah. the helm of I'm the scene, mad. I'm not mad. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us for part one of the Wizard's Throne Room. Part two of this episode will be dropping this Wednesday with Lene joining us once again as a special co-host. See you then. Thank you so much for listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod. If you are feeling frisky with your fingertips, scroll on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a glowing rate and review. Each person who leaves us a review will be entered to win our end-of-the-season Oz giveaways, including a gift basket of musical adaptation goods, which, trust me, you aren't going to want to miss. All previous reviews will also be considered in our entries. We see you. Until next time, catch us at Down the Yellow Brick Pod in our Technicolor scrapbook on IG and partying on our Patreon. Gratitude to our patrons of present and future for making more magic possible. Let's escape to Oz soon, okay? TTYL.